This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. Jesus was able to stand before his Father in every circumstance and know that God heard him. Before Lazarus' tomb, he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me and that you hear me always. Why? How could Jesus know that God always hears him? Because he has the same righteous nature as his father. So do you. That means if we're thinking and or speaking anything other than my father hears me always, then you're not taking advantage of the redemptive work of Jesus. Jesus made another statement earlier in his ministry. He said, I always do those things that please my father. How could he say that? Because he wasn't led or motivated by his flesh. Now here's where the devil tries to bring condemnation. Yeah, Jesus did that. And he did that because he was the son of God. But you're not in the same category. You're not in the same class. You certainly don't have the same power. So you'll never be able to do that. And you know what? Part of that's right. Jesus had no experience with sin in his flesh. He was tempted of the devil just like we are in every point. Yet he was faithful to do what the Bible says and the, the will of God the Father. But he had no knowledge of good and evil in his body. And the Bible is pretty specific in saying that the things that we fall into, the wrongdoing that we fall into, is not because there's a defect in our spirits. It's not because there's a shortage of righteousness imparted from God to you and me. But it's because of that experience with sin that we have knowledge of in our flesh. Jesus didn't have that. He didn't have that. So what does that mean? That means Jesus operating on the same heart desire as you and I do was able to keep himself pure, free from sin. Turn with me over to Romans chapter 8. Paul, after describing his own conflict and struggle with sin in chapter 7, concludes in chapter 8, verse 1, There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. There is therefore now no condemnation. He does not say there's no condemnation unless you really mess up. Which was always interpreted as there's no condemnation for the other guy, but there is for me. He said there is no condemnation. There is therefore now, because of the work of Jesus, because of the gift of righteousness, there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Yeah, but Pastor Mike, you're not reading the rest of the verse. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. See, that's my problem. I catch myself walking after the flesh and not after the spirit. Well, you need to do some research on this. Don't take my word for it. Study it out for yourselves. You'll find it in the oldest manuscripts. That phrase, who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit, doesn't belong in verse 1. It's not there. It's in verse 4. Now, why do we have it in the King James translation? as well as as many others. Well, I don't know for sure, and I don't know that anybody knows for sure. But I do know this. I know translations depend on the understanding of the translators. 
Any translation, every translation is based on two things. The translator's knowledge or understanding of the language and their knowledge or understanding of the character and the nature of God. This must have been something, verse 1 of Romans chapter 8, must have been something the translators just could not accept. So they made it conditional. But that's not the way it's originally written. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus, period. Now let me, let me show you how this works. Verse 2, 4, because, here's why there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus, because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. He contrasts two spiritual laws. He says there's a law of sin and death. We know about that one. We know of that one because of our own shortcomings. We know of that one because of the experience of sin that we have in our bodies. We know about that one. But he says there's a greater law. There's a greater spiritual law. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. If the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus was not greater and more powerful than the law of sin and death, then it couldn't free you. It'd be impossible. So the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, how does that come? It comes by making Jesus the Lord of your life by accepting him into your heart as your Savior. That law is greater than the law of sin and death. That law is greater that law that has already worked in you as a child of God is greater than the law of sin and death. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus is greater than the law of sin and death, which is the law that holds the church in, uh, that holds the world in bondage. So the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus is greater than the spiritual laws that govern this world. That's why Jesus could walk on the water. That's why he could multiply loaves and fishes to feed the thousands. That's why Jesus was the master of this natural realm. Because the law of the spirit of life that was in him when he was here on the earth and is available to us now because of his resurrection and new birth, being born again from the dead, is accessible for us. That has to be what Paul was talking about in Romans chapter 5. Those that receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus is greater than any law of sin and death. Now folks, I would submit to you that it's because of our experience with the law of sin and death that we feel unworthy. What should we do about that? realize that that's an inferior law. No wonder John wrote to the church, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And again, folks, let me go back to my original point. Any plan of redemption that does not restore man to righteousness and therefore dominion is worthless. It was God's whole purpose for sending Jesus to reestablish his nature his righteousness, his holiness in you and me. So that man, his man, righteous man, could have dominion on the earth. There's, no, there's therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Please notice that God said you're already free from that. 
Yeah, but Pastor Mike, what if we keep falling into sin? Doesn't change spiritual law. Now I'm going to use a, what might be a poor example here, but I think you'll get the point. How many times do we see somebody in the public arena, whether it's celebrities or it's politicians or whoever it might be, that does something just stupid, just incredibly stupid. They say something incredibly stupid. They do something incredibly stupid. And then they come back and say, that's not me. I made a mistake, but that's not me. Now, granted, most of the ones that are telling us that are just blowing smoke at us because that really is who they are. But even the world understands the difference between what you do and who you are. Even the unsaved recognize the difference between what you do and who you are. The church is mastered in this principle by singing songs about their unworthiness. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. That's not what the Bible says you are. You were a sinner, but you were saved by grace. So you're not a sinner anymore. Yeah, but what if I keep sinning? The Bible says that you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Now, somebody's got to be lying. Either God's lying when he says you've been made righteous by the blood of Jesus. Or your feelings are lying to you, trying to make you think you're unworthy. Which one is it? Paul said it this way. He said, let God be true and every man a liar. That every man being a liar is you. If you're going by your feelings concerning your relationship with God. Something's got to be lying. I'm going to stick with God. Let's keep reading. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Verse 3, for what the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh. God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin as a substitute for sin, in other words, condemns sin in the flesh. In other words, there's no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus, but there is condemnation. What's their condemnation unto? The sin that's in your flesh. God's condemned that, not you. God condemned the sin in your flesh that the devil uses to take you off track. That the righteousness of God, verse 4, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. There's that phrase that they put in verse 1. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. Yeah, Pastor Mike, that's my problem. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enemy, the enemy of God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. The devil uses that verse of scripture in these surrounding verses to bring condemnation on the very ones that the Bible says there's no condemnation unto. Because we all get stuck there. Yeah, I'm trying to be in the spirit. I'm trying to walk in the spirit. I'm trying to do the right thing. But my flesh is having a problem. Remember, that's what Paul said his issue was in chapter 7. 
the things that I, the man on the inside, wants to do are not the things my body winds up doing. The things my body winds up doing are the things that the man on the inside despises. Yet I seem powerless to change it. So that they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Notice verse 9. But you are not in the flesh. In other words, he's saying, I'm not talking about you. Because there's no condemnation to you. You're in Christ Jesus. The law of the spirit of life has set you free from the law of sin and death. The greater power, the greater spiritual law has set you free from the lesser spiritual law. The greater power in the work, finished work of Jesus is, greater, is a greater power and is greater than the law of sin and death that holds the world in bondage. Now, folks, I've got to tell you something. This principle is one of the major keys to growing spiritually and living according to God's plan and purpose for your life. Notice he says, but you are not in the flesh. I guess he must be talking to the real spiritual ones in the group. No, he says, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so, be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he's none of his. In other words, he's saying you're not in the flesh if you're born again. You're not in the flesh if you're born again. There's therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. Join Mike Webb and Foothill Family Church every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our weekly healing school. Healing school is for those who are in need of being healed from sickness in their body as well as those who want to strengthen their faith in the area of healing. Jesus said the kingdom of God is as a man speaking the word of God into his heart. You exercising your authority in the name of Jesus by whom you have access into the kingdom of heaven to say that for you, you are free from the influence of sickness and disease. Foothill Family Church is in Orange County at the corner of Bake Parkway and Lake Forest Drive, just minutes off the 5 Freeway. To learn more about how you and your family can connect with Foothill Family Church, simply log on to mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. You're not in the flesh. You're in the spirit, meaning there is no condemnation to you, even when you stumble and fall. Because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made you free from the law of sin and death. With that in mind, turn with me now to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It says, wherefore, henceforth, from this point, know we no man after the flesh. Why? Because you're not in the flesh. Wherefore, henceforth, know we no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh while he was here on the earth, yet now henceforth we know him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature a new creation, a new creature. What new creature is he talking about? He's talking about a rebirth, a rebirth of the human spirit, recreated child of God to whom there is no condemnation. Yeah, but what if I mess up? Messing up doesn't bring you under condemnation. Messing up just simply means you let the man on the outside dominate the man on the inside. 
But that was the situation Paul was in. He said, who's going to deliver me from this body of death? Thank God Jesus will. And that's when he says, there is therefore now no condemnation. Because Jesus has delivered you from the body of this death. Or this body of death, whichever way you want to say it. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, a new creation. I like another translation that says, a new species of being. See, until Jesus rose again from the dead, there was no such thing and could be no such thing as a born-again believer. But you are one. That's what makes you a new species of being, a new creation. A righteous man born of God on the earth. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things, talking about spiritual things, we know natural things don't change when you get born again. Your hair color is the same, your interests are the same, and so forth. But spiritual things change. And all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. The word reconciled and reconciliation mean to exchange mutually. In other words, it means a complete swap. To be reconciled unto God, you have to become righteous. How do you become righteous? By making Jesus the Lord of your life. What does that do? Well, Ezekiel 36 says, it takes away the old stony heart out of your flesh and puts a new spirit in you. And then God puts his spirit in your new spirit. So the ministry of reconciliation is the good news of Jesus that he, made a, that he was a substitute for you. He paid your penalty. He paid the price for your sin so that you can now walk in righteousness and be the righteousness of God. There was a mutual exchange. Man didn't hold anything back. He got everything that Jesus paid for. Jesus didn't hold anything back. He took the full punishment of sin upon himself. And there was a total swap you trade your car in for a new car, you don't keep your old car. You drive away in the new one. There's a mutual exchange that's made. God took the old stony heart out of man and placed a new spirit within him. A mutual exchange, complete exchange. And notice what it says, as new creatures, God has reconciled us to himself. That's what Paul was talking about when he said, I'm crucified with Christ. My old spirit died when Jesus died. Now I'm a new man. I'm a new creature. I'm a new creation. I'm not the same person that I used to be. Even when my flesh acts like it used to act. Paul tells us that's not us. The real us, the man that's been changed, the man that's been born again, the man on the inside, he always wants to do the right thing. Well, since the man on the inside always wants to do the right thing, then that means we have just as much right to say as Jesus said, I always do those things that please my father. Yeah, but how can you say you're doing things that please your father if you fall into sin? Well, I don't know about you, but every time I fall into sin, I confess it and repent. And that pleases my father. You mean, Pastor Mike, I'm supposed to confess all my sins? Well, first of all, you don't confess your sins to get born again. You confess Jesus as your Lord. You know, there's teaching in the body of Christ, and it's, it's so silly. But some people trying to get to the place where they feel righteous, I guess, 
teach that there's no place for confession of sin in the life of the believer. And they even come up with ideas saying that 1 John chapter 1 was written to the unsaved, not to the church. Well, if that's true, then the Holy Ghost doesn't know how to get people saved. Because if 1 John 1, 9, which says, if we confess our sin, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If that's written to the world, then the Holy Ghost must think that salvation is dependent on the confession of sins. But that's not what Romans 10, 9, and 10 says. Romans 10, 9, and 10 says, if you'll confess Jesus as your heart, not confess your sins. Confess Jesus as your Lord. Then you'll be saved. But it seems that many keep trying to bring those things up and remind God of how sorry they are. If God has removed your sin from you as far as the east is from the west, and you try to remind him of something you did wrong in your past, how's he supposed to remember that? Oh, Father, I'm just so sorry that I missed, missed it and missed you and failed. I'm just so sorry. God says, what are you talking about? Well, back there, before I got born again, or after I was born again, you know, where I did wrong. That's gone. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, old things pass away. That means the sin and the shame that the devil tries to bring on you, the condemnation he tries to bring on you, is over something that's dead. It's over something that's dead, and you don't have the power to revive it. Now, you can revive it and keep it alive in your memory if you want to, but you can't revive it with God. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. And all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. The good news is the world has been reconciled to God through Jesus. All they have to do is make him their Lord, accept his sacrifice, accept the gift of righteousness. To wit, that God was in Christ reconciling, here's that word again, reconciling the world unto himself. God's not against the world. He's not against the people in the world. He's not against the unsaved. He paid the same price for them through Jesus as he did for you and me. To wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing the trespasses unto them, and has committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Paul keeps getting stuck on that reconciliation thing. There's been a mutual exchange. Jesus' death, for your, Jesus' death for you on your behalf so that you could have his life. He took your sin, your sickness, and instead gave you his life. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in, God's, in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. Now he's talking about accepting what's true recognize that you're reconciled romans 5 1 says it this way therefore being justified by faith we have peace with god therefore being made righteous that's what justified means being made righteous by faith not by works not by you doing good things being reconciled to god because of faith in what jesus did now you have peace with god god sent us a whole book to tell us he's not bad at us he's on our side for, here's why we know. 
For he, God, has made him, Jesus, to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. The only way you can be made righteous is to be born that way. And that's exactly what Jesus was talking to Nicodemus about. You must be born again. Say this after me. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. When God looks at me, he sees me just as righteous as he sees Jesus. I have the same new birth that Jesus has. I have equal access to God that Jesus has. I am a joint heir that means an equal in inheritance as Jesus because I'm righteous in his sight. My righteousness is of God, not of myself. Nothing I can do can change the fact that I've been born, born again as the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Now, if that ever dawns on us, we'll turn the world upside down. Every work, every miracle, every healing that Jesus performed was for one and one, only one reason, and that is because he was righteous. We can try to put it off on the power of God. He had power, Jesus had power we don't have and all that kind of stuff, but I want you to realize that's just an argument the devil's trying to distract you with. Jesus said, the works that I do shall you do also. And even greater works shall you do because I go unto my Father. Why did he go unto the Father? To make you righteous. Jesus said, whatsoever you call for or require in my name, that will I do. Why? Because you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You're just as much a son of God as Jesus was here on the earth. You're just as much born of God as Jesus was born of God. You're just as much born again as Jesus was born again. Same life, same power, same spirit, same Holy Ghost. Not one bit of difference. Somebody once said in theological circles, they said, it seems that there's a parallel line between Jesus' life and our life. And folks, they missed it entirely. It's not a parallel line. It's the same line. Jesus is not one bit more righteous than you are. I know that sounds sacrilegious to say, it, doesn't it? But that's what the Bible says. The Bible says his life is your life. His power is your power. His righteousness is your righteousness. What does that mean? That means there's no condemnation to you. Because you've been made righteous by the blood of Jesus. For the devil to try to tell us that that righteousness can be hindered by some action of ours in the flesh is to denounce the efficacy, the effectiveness, the power of the blood of Jesus that was shed for you. Your works have nothing to do with it. Righteousness is a gift. The Bible says, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. The greater one lives in you. What is he doing in there? He's there to strengthen you. He's there to help you. 
Rely on the help of the Holy Ghost in everything that you do. Thanks for watching today. Come visit us at Foothill Family Church. This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. That's why Paul wrote to the church, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace because you're just as righteous as Jesus is. Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Visit us online at mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.